Edutainment Learning is powered by Academica Virtual Education and Collegia TV. For more information, visit www.edutainmentlearning.com. Uh, yeah, I'm Coyote Peterson, host on the Brave Wilderness YouTube channel. It's an animal adventure platform uh, that we also use to educate the world about a lot of creatures that a lot of people may be afraid of or uh, feel are, are misunderstood. Uh, we do our best to make our content as entertaining as possible and wherever applicable. We work in a conservation message to try to help species, their environments, or the people that are protecting both across the world. So I got a pretty cool job and uh, very thrilled to answer everybody's questions today, whether that has to do with the world of animals or the world of storytelling and entertainment, business, etc. I'm sort of wrapped up into all of it. You are wonderful. So we'll just jump straight into the questions so we don't eat up too much of your time. And again, guys, go ahead and check out bravewilderness.com to learn more about his organization. Uh, and if you have any questions, put them into the chat for Coyote and, and we'll let you ask them. So someone from France e emailed and they wanted to know what inspired you to become a wildlife educator on YouTube of all things. Great question. On YouTube had to mainly do with everybody in the television world telling me this is not going to work. Nobody's interested in seeing somebody go out into the wild, get close to animals, and educate you about them. We spent probably close to five years developing Brave Wilderness, designing it as a TV show, going out and pitching to networks, trying to get other production companies to get behind us to film a pilot or get a series picked up. I mean, it was a painstaking process. We raised a little bit of independent investor money that allowed my business partner Mark and I to put together a very small team at first to go out and capture some initial experiences on camera. And once we had put together what is called a sizzle reel, which is, if you can imagine, like a 10-minute movie trailer that makes it seem like you've been all over the world and done all sorts of cool things, we built out one of those filming between Florida, Arizona, and Ohio, and got some really cool stuff. And once we had the chance to go out and start pitching it, a lot of people loved what we had created, but again, it came down to they said, well, this style of presentation and sharing animals with the world really doesn't work anymore. So thanks for your time, but no, thank you. Uh, that ultimately led Mark and I down a very frustrating road of like, oh, we know that we've got something. We've got lightning in a bottle here. Why is nobody giving us a chance? And around that same time that we reached our pinnacle of frustration and had completely run out of all of our financing... Uh, we discovered that YouTube might be a place to distribute our content. And we created a partnership at the time with Discovery Digital Network. So if you're familiar with Discovery Communications that owns Animal Planet and Discovery Channel and a gazillion other networks, they were launching a digital division. Now, that division doesn't exist anymore, and they had no money to give us, but they did allow us to distribute through one of their channels, which was called Animalist. And at the same time, we also created the Brave Wilderness channel and we fed our content into our own YouTube channel and then they shared it through their platform and the rest is history. That happened in September of 2014 and we are now in year nine of creating content. We are no longer affiliated with Discovery Digital Networks, but we had the opportunity to get our foot in the door where we got paid absolutely nothing, but we found a way to make it work. And today we've got a, a pretty successful brand, I'd say. Yeah, and congratulations on the continued success. And we're going to talk a little bit about your work in conservation. Um, so one of the kids, they wanted to know, and this comes from a student in Spain, 
what is your most memorable experience while filming for Brave Wilderness? Ooh, great, great question. There's so many of them. It's hard to ever single out one and say, that's it right there. What I usually tend to answer that whenever I hear a question that's within that vein is it's the most recent experience that I've had because you're still right in the throes of coming off of that rush of adrenaline or the uniqueness of that situation that you were in. So I was just in Australia for five weeks. We filmed 21 pieces of content while we were there. And for the first time, I was in an area where we were also able to acquire the right permits to catch a saltwater crocodile. Uh, the saltwater crocodile is the animal that put, um, you know, uh, Steve Irwin, uh, rest in peace, Steve. You know, Steve's since passed away. But the saltwater crocodile is the thing that really put Steve Irwin on the map. And ever since I was a little kid, I always dreamed of being able to visit the Northern Territory in Australia and get out there to get hands on with the saltwater crocodile. And while I filmed saltwater crocodiles many times, this is the first time I was actually able to catch one. Our permits allowed us to catch something that was under seven feet in length. And we caught one that was just over six feet. I mean, it was a crazy situation when you're out at night on a boat in crocodile territory, you get off that boat. I went up onto this muddy embankment and managed to catch this reptile. And it's going to make a really cool episode. And we pay a lot of homage to Steve Irwin and all the inspiration he's given to people like myself and really anybody that loves the world of animals and conservation. So right now, that is one that I'm most excited about because we're going to release it uh, on November 15th of this year, which is Steve Irwin Day. So it'll go through post-production rather quickly, but we're going to hold on to it uh, to release it at the right time. And we officially are calling it, We Caught a Crocodile for Steve. So um, it's going to be a cool one. I'm excited to put it together in post-production. That is wild. And we'll, we will all be watching. Um, we have a student from France, and this is Cassandra. And you should be able to unmute. You had a very good question for Coyote. Go ahead, friend. Hi, Coyote. Uh, we watched you a lot as a kid. And um, my question was, what bite or sting took the longest to recover from physically and mentally as well? Oh, what a great question. So I know everybody's waiting for what's going to be the next big sting episode. We filmed a handful of them while we were in Australia. Uh, and we've experimented now with something new, stinging plants. So there are two plant species in Australia that rank as the most painful plant stings in the world, one of which is called the gimpy gimpy plant. Now, what you can't see on the underside of the leaves and on the stalks and the stem of this plant are these micro nettles that you can only see under a macro lens. But when you look at them under a macro lens, they look like snake fangs. They're called trichomes. And when they enter your skin, the tip breaks off and they slowly leak a neurotoxic poison into your body. So as you can imagine, I took one of these leaves and intentionally rubbed it on my forearm. Now that was almost two weeks ago and still my arm hurts today and is very sensitive if I put anything cold on it. So hot, no effect on the nerves, cold, screaming pain. If I were to like take a, you know, a cold ice water out of the fridge and hold it to my forearm, bad idea. So that one we are going to be holding on to and it won't be coming out until November, um, but we filmed another stinging plant species in Australia that will be coming out next month. And then in the middle, we're going to film something called stinging nettle that in the United States or in a lot of places, actually very common stinging plant species that just kind of gives you like a little bit of an itch and a rash. So we're going to go from the number two plant to one that's way down low and then to the gimpy gimpy, which is the number one in Australia. So that currently is my most recent sting. 
and ranks as one of the top 10 most painful experiences I've been through. That is wild. I, I mean, no pun intended. I know brave wilderness. But, um, so one <laughs> like of our kids, do. I know I'm throwing it. It's, it's, it's absolutely wild that you're, that you're doing that. One of our kids wanted to know what in, in your experience with brave wilderness, what is the most misunderstood animal that you've ever had to deal with? There's a lot. Uh, wolves, sharks, crocodiles. I would say one of the top is definitely wolves. I mean, it's something that at least within the United States, wolves have been being persecuted for hundreds of years. There are next to zero people that have been attacked or ever killed by wolves. The few instances where people have been killed by wolves came from them physically trying to feed wild wolves and finding themselves in a in a worst case scenario. But wolves are always sort of classified as the villain and you know, they're a big, important predatory mammal that balances the ecosystem in a way that can't be done by most species. So while you look at the spiders, the snakes, the scorpions, people are always going to be afraid of the creepy crawlies. But when you have something like sharks or wolves, I mean, these are megafauna predators. And if we're wiping them off, wiping them off the face of the planet, we're completely throwing their natural ecosystems out of balance. So if you were to back me into corner and say, what are the two most, you know, uh, uh, persecuted animals? Wolves and sharks, I would say, are at the top of the list. And and you guys have done, if I can segue, you guys have done so much work with your partners in conservation in multiple countries and multiple continents. Can you talk a little bit about that, uh, the work of Brave, Brave Wilderness with helping these endangered animals? Yeah, for sure. I mean, we're certainly well aware that Brave Wilderness is uh, a brand heavily rooted in entertainment. Like we know that everybody wants to see me get bitten and stung by things, which we're happy to deliver on that because we understand that it's a unique way to bring people education and understanding. But when it comes to the conservation work, sometimes those episodes don't get as much attention as we would like, but the attention that they do bring is of ever growing importance, especially for species that are facing possible extinction or, or you know, just these threats of poaching habitat destruction, whatever it might be. I mean, things from as small as a salamander to as big as a rhinoceros. Right now, we've got an interesting campaign going called Save the Horns, where we're supporting a game reserve in South Africa that is about to get a breeding population of black rhinos. Now, for context, black rhinos are the most endangered rhino species in all of Africa. There are fewer than 5,000 of them left in the wild, which is, believe it or not, a pretty small number. Um, and right now we're working to get a breeding population of them moved to a reserve in the Eastern Cape. Um, and that's all happening this fall. So we're very proud to be a part of that. We're constantly helping to raise su uh, support, both financially and just um, the support of people being advocates for the importance of rhino conservation and to try to bring an end to the poaching of rhino horns. Because if you know or don't know anything about poaching rhino horns, they have zero medicinal purpose. And that's why people take the horns grind them down and turn them into fake medicine. So again, it's all about you educating an audience, helping people understand what's happening to an animal species and why we need to fight to protect certain things that live on our planet. Well, thank you uh, so much for, for your tireless work. I mean, I've said this for years, you're easily the hardest working man in, in the entertainment industry because you, you're just, you're such a Renaissance man, not just on online, but also out in the jungles, like you're doing the work. So we'll go with a couple more questions and we'll let you go. Uh, Paula, Paula from Spain, you, you had an awesome question. Go ahead and unmute and go ahead and you can ask uh, our, your question. 
Uh, hi. Um, I wanted to know what made you want to start like this whole journey, like this whole adventure that you've been going on for so many years. And especially like what made you want to like put this out on the internet of all places? Awesome question. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not a person that ever originally anticipated being in front of the camera to be a presenter. You know, I have probably zero talent at ever being an actor or an actress. Somebody asked me, you know, the other day, you know, you want to act in movies someday? I'm like, no, that probably wouldn't be for me. I get excited about animals. I love being on adventures, but more than anything, I love opening up people's eyes and minds to something that they might be afraid of. You know, we certainly draw up a certain level of uh, intensity with some of the episodes that we do. But at the end of the day, we're really wanting to encourage, wanting to encourage people to love even the things that they, they may be afraid of. Because like I've said multiple times here today, these animals all play an important role in whatever ecosystem it may be that they're existing within. So when I realized that my team had a knack for getting into the environment, I have the ability to get close to things or catch things. Obviously, I've honed my skill of being able to talk in front of the camera at this point. But the most important element is understanding how to tell a story. So my background uh, from college, my degree is in screenwriting, producing, and directing. So from an entertainment standpoint, I understand how to produce or set up essentially a chessboard to say, okay, here's the story that needs to be told. Here's how we're going to get the pieces parts. And in my mind, when we're in the field, I can see how it's all going to come together in post-production, which helps me and the field team be able to capture those moments on camera. And then once we get it into post-production, craft it in a way that's going to be fast-paced, entertaining, but still really educational, hold a large value for what that animal species is. Remember, animals can't necessarily speak for themselves. We look at our jobs as being the ones who get to be the voice for the animal to tell the world about what they are, what they do, and why they're so important. Does that make sense? Absolutely. You guys are, are, are real-life superheroes, like <laughs> what you guys do saving these animals. So we'll go with a couple more student questions, and we'll let you go. This is Maximilian. He is in France. Go ahead. You can unmute to ask. So it's incredible to, to see you, man. And I, my question is, uh, how do you manage to have uh, such a strong mind to be bitten by so many insects? Great question, too. Um, the whole mind over body thing is something I've gotten a lot better at mastering over my run of being bitten and stung by things. So the gimpy, gimpy leaf that I was just talking about. It's the kind of pain where once your body's going through it, you can't stop it. That's what's crazy. You know, you stub your toe on something, you get a paper cut, or you get your hand too close to the stove and you get a little bit of a burn. You're like, ah, you know, and you want that pain to end quickly. And usually it does. But some of the situations I put myself in where I've been in pain for hour after hour after hour, and in some instances, that pain is even building more so as time goes on. So it does become a mind over matter element at some point. Now, I would wager to say I have a pretty high pain tolerance, um, even though in certain scenes I may be rolling around on the ground, punching the dirt and stuff like that. We realize there's an entertainment factor to what all that is, but I also don't curse. And we sort of looked at it as that, well, most people, you hit your thumb with a hammer, you stub your toe, you're probably going to say some swear words. We were like, well, how can we take the exemplification of pain and put it into a bit more of uh, an outlandish performance while still giving you the details and the information for what the human body is going through, 
and why it's going through what you're experiencing. So, you know, over the years, we've gotten better and better, I think, telling those narratives. And I'm really excited for the stuff that we filmed in Australia, um, just from the way that we approached it, not only from a, a filming standpoint, but an educational stance to say, hey, you know, it's more than just the creepy crawlies out there that could be potential biological landmines. There are plants out there that you need to be really very much in tune with. Um, and again, at the end of the day, there's always going to be some sort of uh, an educational slant that will hopefully allow you as a viewer to know what not to do or what to avoid if you get out there in nature and explore on your own. That's that's so wonderful that, that you're able to emphasize the fact that you guys are family friendly. And not a, not a lot of production content has that nowadays where you can't sit down with your kids and watch it because of, you know, st words that are, that are said. And now uh, for clarification, that Gimpy Gimpy, I believe I'm pronouncing it right. I'm not sure, but Miss Shokin in Ohio, uh, where you guys are at, uh, wanted to know, was that the most painful, scary stinger butt you've ever had in your entire career? No. So now it's getting down to me doing some things where I have to kind of rephrase it and be like the most painful experience. Cause everybody wants to know most painful bite, most painful sting and, and bites and stings can be very, very different. A bite is always going to inject more venom if it's a venomous bite, because venomous bites are typically used to subdue or kill prey versus a sting is typically a defense to allow something to escape. So last November, we, we released an episode, and this is the dumbest thing I've ever done. I'm, I'm very public about this. I think it's hilarious. Uh, I put my hand into a box with 200 angry yellow jackets. So if you haven't seen that episode, it's entertaining. And you also look at it as like, what human would ever put their hand into a box with 200 things that can sting you? Now, in all fairness, despite having a high pain tolerance, I gave up within three seconds and wanted to get my hand out of the box but my hand got stuck in the box for a further seven seconds. So for 10 seconds, I was being stung repetitively. And we, we were able to pretty much figure out that I had been stung a hundred times in 10 seconds. And it is far and away the worst pain I have ever gone through. For 24 straight hours, I was in unbearable agony. Um, so nothing yet at this point has exceeded what that is. But when we're talking about individual instances, the executioner wasp is the most painful single sting. And the most painful single bite that was intentional was the giant desert centipede. Important to say intentional because I was also bitten by a Gila monster accidentally, and that was really bad too. That okay, and we're not we're not condoning. Brave Wilderness is not condoning it. Edutainment Learning, no one is yeah. condoning that. You guys do this. He does this, so you don't have to. Just watch. Exactly. It. There you go. So uh, we had a follow-up question from one of our educators here in the Southwest, here in Nevada, and she wanted to know, how do you conduct your pre-production research? Like, how do you decide what you're going to do beforehand? We oftentimes will take influence from the audience or different groups will approach us and say, hey, we've got an interesting story. Here's how we think you could spin it and make it super entertaining. Uh, a great example would be a project that we just essentially greenlit yesterday of going to work with a bat research expert, where we're going to be catching hundreds of bats at night to follow the conservation work that we're doing. So it's like, well, how do you make bats entertaining? Because I can't get bitten by them. You can't get stung by them because you don't want to get rabies. Well, they don't sting. They only bite. Uh, but we said a cool slant would be 
the Batman angle. I mean, Batman, the DC, you know, comic superhero uh, is always popular. So I will be dressing as Batman to work with a guy that we call Batman to catch bats. Like I'll be going to wear a Batman costume to make a bat episode or at least part of the episode. So we're like, how do you come up with a unique way to make it entertaining and educational at the same time? So that's just an example that came up yesterday of a way for us to make an episode uniquely. But the majority of the time it comes from, uh, you know, a conservation group approaching us or us, you know, picking up an animal encyclopedia, flipping through some pages, pointing out a couple of species and saying, okay, where in the world do we need to go to get this species? Because it's very unique, very bizarre, uh, maybe misunderstood, maybe an icon of the animal kingdom. And that helps us determine where we ultimately end up. That is incredible. And those pre-production meetings must be absolutely wild. To, they to are. Uh, pun <laughs> they intended. Sometimes. <laughs> yeah, right. So uh, before we let you go, I usually ask this of all of our guests, but yours is a very unique one because I doubt you set out thinking that you're going to change the world and help all of these endangered animals. Like you guys are just looking to get some entertainment content out there, educational content out there. You know, like I said, 21 million subscribers, over 5 billion views. Uh, and again, check them out on bravewilderness.com. Um, what advice can you give to these kids as, you know, that long and winding road of life and different professions and it, it led you here? What, what lessons have you learned there that you can impart on these kids? In the industry within where I work, right, it's a, it's a weird parallel of two worlds. You've got the entertainment industry and you've got the world of animals, both of which can be very hard to get your foot in the door in, in either direction. And it doesn't matter what career field you are choosing as a student that you ultimately want to go down, you're going to run into a lot of roadblocks and you're going to run into a lot of no's. But if internally your being is telling you, this is my mission, this is what I was put on this planet to do, you have to trust that gut instinct. If my business partner, Mark, and I had listened to everybody that told us no, we would have given up on this brand over a decade ago. You have to believe that the story and your passion is worth sharing with the world. And that's what you need to use as motivation to keep driving you forward. Take all of those no's and use them as stepping stones because eventually you're going to get yourself built up to a level where you will come across your first yes. Then take that yes as an opportunity to show whoever grants you that opportunity your absolute A-game. Give it everything you've got. You don't worry about sleep. You don't worry about money. You don't worry about anything. You do whatever it takes to get the job done and do it to the best of your ability. Because a lot of times people look at ambition above and beyond anything else. So you have that inside of you to drum it up, to resist against those that tell you you can't do it, and to ultimately be the one that champions your vision. If you don't believe in yourself, no one else is going to, and you got to give it everything you've got. Trust me, I'm a, I'm a kid that came from absolutely nowhere on the map with a family that had absolutely zero money and still found a way to get into the entertainment industry and have been able to use it as a wonderful platform to share the world of animals with a global audience. And we feel very blessed and thankful for that. And if we can do it in this approach, you can do it with whatever it is that you're passionate about. Coyote, you are amazing. And we can't thank you enough for taking time out of your valuable day to come talk to us. You are truly a life changer and a world changer. And uh, before I end the meeting for all, before um, I, I close it out, can we all unmute and say thank you to Coyote Peterson for taking time out of his valuable day to come talk to all of you guys around the world. Thank you so much, Coyote. Thank you.
Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.